For the third episode of the Alexa podcast, we were joined by Terry Bertram, who recently ported the famous text-based video game Colossal Cave Adventure over to Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. We talked to her about video games, we talked to her about what Amazon needs to do to promote game development on Alexa-enabled devices, and much more. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to episode three of the Alexa podcast, part of Voice First FM. Our sponsors for this show are Fourthcast, F-O-U-R-T-H-C-A-S-T. Fourthcast turns your podcast into a custom Alexa skill. Get started at fourthcast.com. Our other sponsor is the Alexa Conference. The Alexa Conference is the annual gathering of Alexa developers and enthusiasts. Learn more and get registered at alexaconference.com. Kevin Old and I are your hosts. Uh, my name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Kevin Old is a software developer for Lifeway. Kevin, say hello. Hello. We are thrilled to have with us Terry Bertram. Terry, say hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Terry uh, has been around the video game industry a long time and just recently made news for porting the classic Colossal Cave Adventure to Alexa and the Amazon voice ecosystem. So Terry, let me start there. Um, actually, first, let me ask you, how long have you been around video games? Um, how long have you been a, a game developer? Share with us in the audience some of your background. Um, well, I've been playing games forever. I've been collecting games since the early 80s. Uh, I've been making games since the late 70s. Uh, I've worked for a number of gaming companies. Um, I'm in the industry and my life is games. So what was your impetus to take Colossal Cave Adventure and port it, bring it over um, to Alexa? Um, that's a couple things. I mean, it's always been a dream of mine. I love uh, Colossal Cave. I mean, it was called Advent when I first played it uh, back in 1977. I was programming on a deck 10 and that's that's where it was originally created uh, by Willie Crowther and Don Woods. So when, the first time I played it, I loved it. It's a text adventure game on this big mainframe machine. And it was the first time I ever saw a game that talked to me and told me a story and didn't just add two numbers together. Uh, it was amazing. It was magic. So ever since I had that experience, and then you know later on other games came, Zork and whatnot, um, I wanted to, I always had a special place in my heart for Advent. And uh, as it came out on different platforms, I always thought it would be neat if I could play it verbally. This is before the Echo ever came out. But once the Echo did come out, I thought, you know, this is the platform to try it on. And uh, when I took a break uh, from work during last Christmas, I went ahead and spent the time. I bought myself an Echo and decided to port it. That's pretty awesome. So let me ask you, um, there's a few games, uh, I'm definitely not an encyclopedic resource on this, but there's a few games I'm aware of that are currently on 
uh, Alexa-enabled devices. Um, and to my knowledge, I think the first one, um, or certainly the first uh, mainstream one, the first one that got media attention, to my knowledge, was the Wayne investigation. Are you familiar with that? Right, yeah. Yeah, that one uses real audio and yeah. uh, a new adventure system uh, that was compiled with. Yeah, so it was a marketing um, uh, initiative uh, for uh, the movie Batman versus Superman, and they created, you know, uh, this uh, Alexa skill called the Wayne Investigation, in which, you know, it's got all these professionally recorded uh, audio assets, and you investigate uh, the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents. There, there have been some other ones here or there, uh, but. It's my feeling that we're not going to see games take off until Amazon and just, you know, we're talking about Alexa, so, you know, we're mentioning Amazon, but any of these companies, Google, Microsoft, Apple, whoever, until the, the tech companies allow the game developers to monetize uh, the games that they're developing however they choose. Can you talk about that and share, share with us your perspective on how you see uh, what direction you think that needs to go to open up the world of game development for these platforms? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, the only reason that I did this is it's a labor of love. So I, it took a lot of time and effort and testing. Um, but I, I'm in love with the game, so I did it. But I'm not making anything on it. If anything, I could be charged uh, by having this out there if a lot of people play it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very negative feeling there. Um, luckily, Amazon does allow for a free tier, and they offer uh, extra money if you go over that tier. You have to sign up for that, which I did. Um, but the point is, is that I'm not making any money on this. Uh, nobody is. So yeah, if they had a store, something like you know the App Store that allowed you to set a price, then yeah, we would probably see a lot more games out there. Um, I, I'm happy with this being free, though. I think it should be free. Well, I'm interested, uh, Terry, in what um, what you thought of the developer experience um, provided by uh, Amazon and uh, how how you worked through any of the challenges you faced as you built the game. Um, you know, actually, this was my first foray into JavaScript. I, I usually do a lot of low-level coding, uh, C and assembly language, and C++. Uh, so, you know, I know a lot of other languages, but I never bothered with web-based languages or, you know, Java, JavaScript, that sort of thing. So during Christmas, I decided when I started to port this over, it was also a learning experience with that language. It was pretty easy to just move from C to Java. But uh, I thought that the tools were, were pretty good. You know, being being a seasoned programmer, it wasn't difficult to uh, get it working in right away. One of the nice things I like about this system, uh, and same with Android, is that you can buy the real product and test on the real product. You don't have to worry about getting special provisions uh, or having some special hardware to test on. It it just works, and that that's very handy. Certainly. So, um, so talk to me about the uh, the game and the um, the developer experience when you were um, with the voice interactions. Did you um, did you have any challenges when uh, you were 
either capturing a response from a user, or I'm sorry, a player, um, or 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 uh, processing something. Uh, uh, generally, I think the uh, the Echo does a pretty good job. Actually, I should mute. I've got one here, so it's going to start talking if I really got it muted. Th this uh, happens every single podcast. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Oh, there you go. It's muted now, so it won't happen. Um, yeah, I, I think Alexa does a pretty good job of understanding speech. Uh, the few words that I had trouble with in Colossal Cave, um, I'm still looking for workarounds. I uh, like the, the plover room. You know, she pronounces plover, um, but that's okay. Uh, if you say in, uh, it gets confused with inner inventory. Um, but uh, for the most part, everything works. I was able to put in every word from the game and get it to work. Uh, some of the special words like uh, quit, you know, quit close, uh, which kind of circumvent the code and, and immediately quit the app, uh, had to be uh, re-engineered. So instead of saying quit, which is a legitimate uh, command in Advent or Colossal Cave, I had to say quit adventure. And those are listed inside a uh, list commands uh, command that I put inside the program. I've got a question for you, Terry. Um, so the the big news this week in terms of Amazon and, and the Alexa um, ecosystem is tomorrow comes out the Echo Show. Uh, have you been following that at all? Oh, yeah, I, I have two on pre-order. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, that deal to get um, $100 off uh, when you buy two is kind of crazy. That's the type of thing that, I think we'll look back and say, wow, you're joking. Yeah, that's um, why I have two on pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got one coming to me, and, I, and I'm very excited about it. But uh, share with me your what uh, if you had your druthers and could develop uh, a game you've already developed a game for Alexa uh, now um, what would you want to do with the Echo Show what's the first thing you'd like to do with this combination Alexa voice assistant plus camera plus screen form factor uh, well a lot of that we're doing already through the Alexa app uh, I mean if you I don't know if you've noticed but if you open up the Alexa app while you're playing Colossal Cave, you'll see it display all of the rooms, uh, the name of the room, the description of your room, and what your current command was to get there. Uh, no, that would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it comes in quite handy. Uh, so that, I am assuming, since I don't have the show yet, will transfer over to the show. So as soon as, as uh, you play on an Echo show, you will see that displayed, and I won't have to change the code at all. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I will have to check that out tomorrow. Um, assuming it, assuming Amazon brings my Echo Show on time, which I'm sure they will. What about, and let me ask you this, since this has come up on some of our previous uh, Voice First FM podcasts. So the Echo Show, obviously, is coming out this week, but also making news about the same time as the Echo Look, which, uh, are you familiar with that device? Right, yeah. You know, that's that's a device that I think is not going to ha have much relevance to the world of games, but it has a whole lot of relevance to 
uh, an ongoing privacy discussion. Um, how does that device strike you? You know, we've heard some people on the podcast say, yeah, you know, I'm not too big of a fan. Or some people, are, you know, I see the potential there. What, what do you think about the, uh, the Echo Look? Yeah, I, I don't wish to criticize something I haven't tried yet. Um, I, I don't have a strong interest in it. But that doesn't mean it isn't uh, going to be... With Alexa development, you have to um, really focus on the phrasing of the intent uh, and the intents that you develop. Can you talk a bit about um, your experience working through that with this game? Um, sure. Uh, it, so you're familiar with, with how it's done. You know, basically you have the, the intents yes. and then the utterances, which takes yes. the intents and then you assign words to them that you can say which will yes, send you an utterance or send you an intent. And then your code mm -hmm. gets the intent string, uh, right. which is the Lambda function. Uh, mm -hmm. When I first started writing this, like I said, I, I started doing this uh, over Christmas break just to basically do something else. Uh, I like doing you know, different puzzly-like things. And the first programs I wrote, I, I've written a few Alexa programs. Uh, most of them aren't published. Uh, one other one is, though, called Sequence Master, which uh, allows you to guess a sequence of colors, uh, which is a lot of fun. But anyway... Um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's, it's a great game. And, and it uses the tablet, too, and you'd probably see it on Echo Show when, when you get one. Uh, so uh, anyway, you, whenever I write one, a game like that, you know, setting up the, uh, the utterance tables and setting up you know, uh, those words is the first thing I did. And then I start writing the um, Lambda function to accept those. So it's it's fairly straightforward. And you know when I moved on to Colossal Cave, uh, I started similarly, except I started with the database. And the database was a puzzle uh, because I didn't have uh, a way of deciphering it. So I, you know I, it was just kind of a fun thing for me to do. I don't know if you've seen the Colossal Cave database, uh, but it's it's really a, a neat thing to look at if, if you've never seen it. It's got all of the rooms broken down uh, into, you know, room number one is you're on a road, and room number two is you're in a building or, room, or on a hill, and three is in a building and whatever. Uh, but next to those is this, this little cryptic set of numbers and uh, a table with some numbers and some words. And those words tell you, the numbers tell you what those words will do in that room. And since I played the game so much, I was able to look at those numbers and figure out what they did. And that was the puzzle for me. That was the fun. So the first one I wrote when I just put it in was to have the database sit there and let me move from room to room and do nothing else. And so I created the intents for north, south, east, west, up, down, you know, all of the directions uh, and the utterances for those and then had it move through the database. And once I had that in, then I said, okay, well, what's the next thing to do? Oh, I need to have inventory and grab and, you know, take things and, and drop things. And so I put that in. And being so familiar with the game, playing it for decades, uh, I was able to add command after command until finally my utterance table and my uh, uh, Lambda function was able to do everything that the original one did. That's awesome. It sounds like that um, it, this game really lent it, uh, naturally lent itself to um, this this medium 
as well uh, as, as your experience with it and just having you write it. Uh, it seemed seemed like as you were talking through it, it, it just kind of came together. You were able to kind of naturally break down the problem and incrementally implement. Yeah, yeah. And, and even, um, you know, certain things, you could add enhancements to it. You know, like instead of just saying, you know, on, off or, or light, you know, you can say turn on the lamp. And that's just an added utterance to your intent. So the, the, the program just gets the command lamp on, which is the intent. But the utterance for lamp on can be light, can be turn on lamp, can be on, and all of those just send lamp on. So yeah, it was, it was very straightforward and, and very handy. Did you run into any situations where um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a natural um, utterance for a user? I know I've run oh into that gosh. before. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, there's the the thing is this program was written in the 70s uh, mm-hmm. by programmers, pretty much for programmers, because back then that's those are the people that were playing the game. Uh, so the puzzles are hard. The puzzles are are meant to be tricky. Uh, even knowing how to kill a dwarf is a puzzle and I've, I've watched people play and it's a little frustrating for me and I, I'm I'm teetering on you know like I've added the command path hint because uh, people might get into a point and not know which direction to go and saying go north and having Alexa say there's no way to go that direction well south there's no way to go that direction it gets tedious so I added this command path hint that would have it search the database and tell you what paths are actually available from that position so you don't have to keep asking. It costs you two points to have the ability to use path hint, which isn't going to kill you, uh, but it will stop you from getting a perfect game. And I added a special prize for anybody who gets a perfect game, uh, which is kind of neat. So far, I don't think anybody's done it except me. That's awesome. I'm going to have to go do that now. Yeah. It's oh, no. not easy. Yeah. <laughs> Though I can tell you I, I do it uh, pretty much. It depends on the random number generator, but I can do it in about an hour. I have a, an Alexa. I have an Echo Dot in my car. And when I drive to work in the morning, my commute is about an hour. And I, I play the game trying to win the game before I get to work. And uh, I can sometimes I've done it maybe three times now where I won the game before I got to the parking lot. Um, it's, that's a fun thing. See, feeling. Alexa needs to add uh, achievements now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be an achievement unlocked for managing to do that. Well, um, I, I tell you, I can't thank, um, I, I can't thank Don Woods enough for, you know, I basically sent him, I finished this thing in December. Uh, well, didn't finish it, but had it running in December. I was playing it in early January and knew I wanted to have other people play it. And uh, I sent a message to Don Woods. I, I looked for emails for Don Woods and Willie Crowther, the original uh, authors of it. Uh, I wasn't able to reach Willie Crowther, but I found an email for Don Woods, and I sent it to him saying, hey, I've got this. It's 95% done. Uh, if, if you could tell me, you know, is it public domain, or do you ha- you know, can you give me your blessing? And he got back to me about a week later and said, um, hey, that sounds great. Uh, yes, you have my blessing to put it on, on the Alexa. So uh, nice. that was just awesome. And yeah, as a thank you, I, I sent him uh, a couple Echo Dots so he could play it because he didn't even own an Echo. And I, mm. I want him to play it too because it's, it's just really neat. 
it, it turned out really well, and I play it daily. I, I love the game. You were sharing that you are a uh, arcade uh, enthusiast uh, and uh, owner of perhaps multiple arcade machines, uh, at least at minimum, including uh, Adam's Family Pinball. What is your favorite video game of all time? Gravatar. Gravatar? Yeah, it's an obscure title. It's a Color XY monitor from Atari. It was actually, um, it didn't do very well uh, in the arcades because it was very difficult to play. And so the, the arcade owners weren't making a lot of money on it. And once you got good at it, you could play it for forever. Was, uh, often I'd play for over 30 minutes or an hour on one so, quarter. So share with me and the audience what you do in Gravatar. Uh, it's uh, kind of a mix between asteroids and lunar lander. You, you start with a little uh, asteroids type triangular ship and you're in a solar system and you fly that ship you with a thruster and a left right fly toward the nearest planet and then the, the screen expands out and shows you the surface of the planet uh, in 2D vector color vector graphics with little bases on it and you have to hover down uh, and shoot all of the little red bases and you can suck up little blue pods that give you more fuel and it uses uh, fairly realistic 2D physics to, to manipulate it. So it was difficult to fly, but once you got used to it, uh, it was enjoyable uh, and addictive. So if you had, you know, an hour left to live and you got to play one game, it would be Gravatar. Huh, no, it would be a pinball machine. <laughs> okay, so now now we're finding out the, 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 the truth here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's your favorite pinball machine? Oh, that, I don't have one favorite. Uh, Medieval Madness, uh, you know, Adam's Family, Bride of Pinbot, uh, Stern Pirates of the Caribbean. So, and we were talking to Terry about favorite arcade game in general. Um, and I remembered one after we got going with the podcast um, that is uh, probably my favorite. You know, I mentioned NBA Jam earlier. Uh, I mentioned a couple of others, but uh, the Simpsons arcade game. Did you ever play that? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was legendary for me anyway. Um, that was uh, spent a lot of quarters on that. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite arcade game of all time? Uh, besides Gravatar? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Uh, so you mentioned Gravatar. Uh, give me something more in, give me something in I, the 90s I like all era. of the 80s classics. Yeah, I mean, I've got Tempest. Uh, I've got a lot of these games because I collect them. Um, but, uh, yeah, Tempest and Star Wars. 90s games, not as, I'm not a big Capcom fan. Probably Radical Bikers or Hydro Thunder. Yeah, Hydro Thunder. Now, I played Hydro Thunder. Uh, that was amazing. I don't think I ever played Radical Bikers. Um, yeah, it was a Geico game from Italy that uh, got moved over and was published by Atari. Uh, hmm. It's Yeah, it was a fun game where you rode this uh, little motorcycle moped type deal and you delivered pizzas. And you had to get the pizza to the destination within a certain amount of time and there's obstacles in your way. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Interesting. So that, that that reminds me of a uh, and and this will um, I guess place me in the proper uh, 
date category. Uh, but I, I grew up in the Super Nintendo era, and uh, I, I really enjoyed a game called Paperboy. Oh, sure. That was an arcade yes. game before it was on the SNES. Certainly. Oh, certainly. It was just uh, when you were um, recounting, you know, the, the, the previous game, um, that, that is immediately what popped in my mind. Because, you know, you had to throw the papers, you had to uh, hit certain obstacles. It was tons and tons of fun. Um, I also, um, also, I guess, breaking news this week um, is that the Super Nintendo, or the SNES, is going to be re-released as a console. Have, have either of you heard of that? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yes, that is absolutely insane. And I saw it this morning on the Twitters, and I thought, you know what? I think I'm just going to have to buy it. And I thought, well, I wonder how much they're going to sell it for. And it, I thought 79 bucks is going to be amazing. So um, I, I did see also too that Nintendo promises to, uh, you know, have have enough uh, quantity to, you know, uh, to last since the uh, the. The other Nintendo that they released didn't. Um, we'll Nintendo believe that classes. when we see it. Yeah, well, I, even true. I couldn't get my hands on one of those other ones. No, right. Yeah, no, I couldn't either. <laughs> I wanted to get an NES Classic, and yeah, sure. I mean, you can go to eBay, I guess, whenever you want. But uh, yeah, I was unsuccessful with that too, Terry. But the SNES Classic, uh, uh, did you see, uh, Terry, that that has uh, Star Fox 2 on it, which is previously unreleased? Oh no, I heard that it was going to have an unreleased game. I didn't know that mm -hmm. was there. Oh, you got yes. me on one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Kevin, yeah. the, the SNES Classic has a game on it that has never been released commercially before, Star Fox 2. So it's got yes. Star Fox 1 on it, but it also has Star Fox 2. Um, and, uh, yeah, Terry, if this, is, this, this may be the only thing uh, that I can stump you on or, or mention that you didn't already know about. Oh, so I'm, I'm glad you I'm brought gonna, it up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to savor it uh, <laughs> for, for just a minute. Um, let me ask you one more question while we're talking just general games. What's uh, the first game you ever played? Oh, wow. Um, oh, it would probably be one of those... Uh, they had these way back when, but you'd drop a nickel in the top. It was a speed game where you put a nickel in the top or a penny in the top of the machine, and then uh, uh, you'd push in this button that slowly would pop out, and when the button popped out, it would drop the nickel down a chute, and you'd have to push the button back in uh, before it hit the bottom. And then where it would trap the coin wherever it was when you pushed the button in. And so it was basically a, a reflexes, how fast could you press the button after it dropped it game. And I was fascinated by that. I mean, it's so simple, um, but it, it ate my nickels. And that was fun? Oh, it was great fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing for, you. My, for a five-year-old, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, my parents had a um, Texas Instruments computer, I guess it was called a computer, uh, that had um, games like Alpiner and Parsec and stuff uh, that I grew up playing. But the first computer game, the first sort of seminal game experience I had and I don't remember which one was first, but I played Dexter on PC, I guess, some sort of IBM PC, and, um, and also a game called Battletech, uh, the Crescent Hawks Inception uh, on PC. Did you ever play either of those? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Uh, the Battletech game was very sophisticated. The Dexter game was like you're a transformer, basically. You're a robot that can turn into a jet and... It was a very action-oriented game. The Battletech 
game, I think, was one of the first RPGs um, that was on IBM PC-compatible computers. And then I also have very vivid memories of playing uh, what was, if it wasn't the first real-time strategy game, it was among the first, uh, Dune 2 Battle of Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Oh, then that was later. You know, I think that came out on PC and. 87 or 88 and that was back in the day of uh you know eb games and electronics boutique or i mean uh, electronics boutique and babbage's oh, uh, yeah. compete competing against each other and uh you know neither of them ever had the game so i had to uh get some sort of pc magazine whether it's pc gamer or something else and back in those days the the ad the advertisements in those games were these massive tiny print catalog listings of games. Do you remember that? Do you have any memory of this? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I spent a lot of time at Babbage's. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. About um, those places, actually. Yeah, and so, um, but Dune, the, bat- the, the Battle of Arrakis was such a, apparently an esoteric, lightly produced game that uh, my parents had to order it for Christmas for me one year in some mail order thing in a PC magazine, but uh, those, those were the days. Uh, those, those were fun times. That was one of the so, places I'd go to get uh, Macintosh games. So I, I did a lot of Mac nice. programming in the in the mid '80s. So Terry, we greatly appreciate your generosity with us this evening, uh, sharing some of your time uh, and your experience and your deep expertise with us. Uh, so we we greatly appreciate you. Thanks. It was a pleasure. So, for Kevin Old and myself, this is episode three of the Alexa podcast. Thank you for listening, and until next time.